listening to First Church Charlotte. at the very end of the book of Mark, and it's been a long journey, and I suspect some of you are a little tired of it. I apologize. I do love the details, and I spend time on the details. Um, in a, in, at one level, you kind of give an insight into my style of study and how I kind of progress through the Gospels and through any of the books of the Bible, but um, tonight I'm going to kind of do a blend. I'm going to talk about those moments after the crucifixion. I'm not going to go back through the crucifixion. We covered that last week, and it was uh, uh, very emotional for me, and I felt exhausted for all day the next day because of the emotions I had on that night. Um, I don't want to lose my emotions for Calvary. Can I have a big amen? Uh, that is, that is, that's where we have hope. We are made partakers of his righteousness. And so, um, but in the, I'm going to try to do a, a little bit of a mashup here. We're on the uh, precipice of the biggest storm that's hit us for a while, and we are at, we have just come through the highest drama, the highest moment of tragedy, uh, glory, suffering, and, 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 and divinity. Uh, all of that in that passage where Christ is uh, taken to Golgotha and they're offered as a sacrifice uh, for all of our sins. And so I'm going to talk from this little subject for a little while, bringing these two things together, the silence after the storm, the silence after the storm. And we will uh, refer to some passages as we go through. We won't necessarily read a, a text to get started, but uh, just so you'll know where we are, we're in Mark chapter number 15. Uh, we have seen the Lord on this place of sacrifice. We have seen him like a lamb led to the slaughter. He opens not his mouth. We have seen him bear the uh, mockery, bear the abuse, bear the beatings, bear the canings, we would think of it, uh, uh, with the reed. And uh, we've seen all of this. And now in this, this apex of spiritual purpose where he commends his spirit the man Christ Jesus commends his spirit to his father the divinity of God and in this moment we really there is no higher place in the story of redemption than this moment right here this is the apex of the worst that humanity can do and the best that divinity can do. This is the worst of us and the best of God. And the sun hides its face and refuses to shine. And the earth shakes and trembles. And one writer speaks of the, 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 the very graves themselves opened and, and people who had passed walked forth wanting to know what was going on. This is what was going on. This symphony of grace that started in Genesis chapter number 3 where sin captures and imprisons the human heart from that moment is the beginning of a symphony and it starts and plays and goes off on different movements and different passages and it goes through all this and it builds to this climax of divine purpose that you see right here at Calvary and then the sun comes back out and the earth stops shaking and the centurion says, surely, 
this must have been the Son of God. Say it with me. Surely this must have been the Son of God. This is where we are. The storm has passed. Several things have happened, and I, I want you to I want you to be aware of the things that have happened. There have been the cries from the cross, that most poignant cry and most touching to me, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, there's also been the thieves. These are all images I'm not going to spend a, a, a lot of time on. There is the religious crowd who should have had sympathy, uh, or at least they should have had sympathy. Ideally, they would have had empathy, but they at least could have shown kindness, but instead they reveal their heart by by mocking uh, Jesus in this moment. There is in the Luke told us in Luke 23, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And Matthew says at this moment he yielded up his spirit. Uh, the the veil of the temple that separation between the altars of, of sacrifice, uh, the laver of cleansing, uh, and the holy of holies, that, that veil of the temple that had always kept the Shekinah glory of God from the hearts of the people. It was always separated, necessarily so, because justice had not yet been reconciled to mercy. But at this moment, the veil of separation no longer has a function. And so it is torn from top to bottom. And we see access given to all of us. Aren't you glad you have access to the presence of God in your life? I'm so glad I have access to the presence of God. When we we get together and we sing songs of worship and praise together, the point of that worship is not to show we have people who can sing. The point of that worship is not to show we have people that can play. We have all of that. The point is to create a moment where you can get past a veil that has been shredded. And now you can enter into the holy of holies, the presence of God. That's why we worship. I want to be a part of a worship church, don't you? I know, I know you can be busy during the week. I know you can be distracted. But into this house, we want this place to be a sanctuary of worship where you can let your troubles go. You can let your sorrows go. You can lift your hands and you can say, I need you in my heart and in my life. Oh, God, why don't you say that with me right now? Lord Jesus, we want the moving of your spirit in our midst. We want the power and the anointing, the life-changing anointing of God working among us, Lord. Help us to be reminded that you are near to us. Help us to be reminded that you are as close as the mention of your name, and let your Shekinah glory move among your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, there is, after all of this drama, after the sun has gone dark for a short time after the earth has quaked, after the religious crowd has silenced, after the, conf- the, the confession of the centurion, after all of these things, what is there left to do? After all of these things, there is left just the details, the, the, the ordinariness of things that uh, you might think of as everybody likes to party, but no one likes to stay and clean up. Just the details. And so they take down his body and 
the women who have uh, walked at, with him and served uh, the disciples in ministry, uh, they, they make preparations to care for the body and to bury that body. And they do because there is uh, in the church Joseph of Arimathea. Uh, he was a part of the uh, Sanhedrin's count, uh, Sanhedrin council. He was um, evidently a fairly wealthy man with stature in his community. And he gave a, a place of burial to Jesus who owned only the clothes on his back and had no other possessions. And here you see this, this moment of these, these women. The, the men have disappeared. Uh, sometimes women are stronger than men. I know women have a higher pain tolerance than men. Uh, if you doubt that, you need to go down to the delivery part of the hospital. And women have a higher pain tolerance than men. And so, um, at least in my opinion, they do. And so, uh, if any man denies that, you should take your bottom lip and pull it over the top of your head. <laughs> That's an old joke. Anyway, moving along. Um, the women are brave and the men are fearful. And the women are brave and the men are fearful. And they take the body and they, they prepare it. And it's the quiet now. It's the quiet now. Peter's decided it's over for him. I, I want to point out something uh, to all of you here tonight. And I say, this, I say this to all of us, no matter how long we've been in church, no matter what our experiences is in um, either um, ministries or uh, opportunities of serving, I want to say this to everybody. Everybody goes through storms. Can I have a better amen than that? Everybody goes through storms. Um, you are uh, one preacher. Uh, he wrote a book called Preaching Through uh, the Storm, and I read it as a student in college. And uh, he was, at the time, was one of my favorite preachers, and I read his book. And he, he said everybody faces one of three realities. You're either coming out of a storm, in a storm, or on your way to a storm. And that sounds a little bit uh, discouraging, right? But the truth Truth is, storms are part of life. Um, as a as a family, your family will go through storms. It may be loss of employment, where you have to radically change uh, the way in which you're living. I mean, so much for going out to eat. It's all about ramen noodles now. Uh, you will go through storms. Uh, you will go through storms of your health. You sometimes will face dilemmas of sickness. You will face dilemmas of of dread disease. Um, I could read statistics to you, but it would just discourage you and why when you've got to go through it anyway. But I want you to see this truth. Storms are part of life. There is no place where we can hide from storms. Uh, there is no solution whereby we can have a storm-free existence. We have people in this church right now facing disease in their body, and we as a church believe with them, and we speak healing to them in Jesus' name. Can I have agreement? Uh, they are in storms of their health. Uh, ministries go through storms. It's not just you as an individual believer who goes through a storm. Ministries go through storms. Uh, churches go through storms. Uh, it is part of life. And there is no way, there is no simple way of avoiding storms. What you have to do is you have to make it through. You might can make it easier if you're organized. You might can make it a little simpler uh, if you're prepared and you 
by all means, should build on solid ground. Can I have another amen? Uh, But the point is, is after you get through the storm, what do you do after the storm? Well, afterwards, you simply are presented with a lot of things you have to do. When the storm comes through, you have to clean up the mess. There will be a mess. You have to fix the damage. There will be damage. You have to restructure all the manner of your daily responsibilities, the manner in which you do everything, storms is a part of life. We have a storm coming. The next time we see each other, your yard will not look like perhaps it does right now. And there's nothing you can do about it. The next time we see each other, you may have water in some part of your house. And there's nothing we at this moment can do about it. On the other hand, if you know there's something you can do about it, get up early tomorrow and do it. Don't wait until it starts striking lightning everywhere, right? So <laughs> I, want you, I want you to accept that now after the storm comes, what comes next? After the storm is just duties. We need to bury the body. Everyone thinks we've lost. Everyone thinks the mission is over. But we're just going to do what's in front of us. We're going to bury the body. What are we going to do? We're going to take care of that body as is appropriate. We're going to wrap it as is appropriate. The storm is over. The ground has ceased shaking. All the drama is done. Now what? I would say you do what's right in front of you. You just do what is right in front of you. Um, And so uh, they make the request for the body. This was an act of bravery. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea makes the request of, of the body. And it is given to him. And together with Nicodemus, they take the body and with the mixture of myrrh and alloys, uh, which a rather large amount, about a hundred pounds of myrrh and alloys, uh, they wrapped the body uh, of Jesus and they take, took him to a tomb. They wrapped him in fine linen and they laid a, a new t- There's a new tomb hewn out of rock located in the garden, John tells us in chapter number 19. And they roll a stone over. Over the door, and most of them, even the bravest, the brashest, the loudest, guys like Peter, thinks that is the end of the story. Because there's something about us that we think the storm is the end of the story. But I've got this truth about all storms. It came to pass. Which reminds you all of the old story about the the elder who was asked what his favorite scripture in the Bible was. He says, well, my favorite passage in the Bible is the passage where it says, and it came to pass. Because if there's one thing I've learned in my life, whatever I'm going through came to pass. It will not stay. So when the storm comes, we're going to make it through the storm. And when the wind blows, we're going to make it through the wind. We might look around and say, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. You might need to practice that. You ready? Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Okay, but the storm is going to pass. And we're going to put it all back together again. And it's going to be better after the storm than it was before the storm. Why? Because the foundation is not at risk. What are you talking about? Jesus was not working an impromptu plan. This was from the, somebody say it with me, foundation of the world. 
You see, the plan was not a new plan. It had been established from the very foundations of uh, the world, this plan. The plan was destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it back up. The storm may cause fear and confusion, but it does not affect a plan that is built upon a foundation. And so Jesus is going to come out of that tomb. The women are going to stand there and Mary Magdalene is going to be the first one to see him and she's going to suppose him to be the gardener. You guys know the story. I want you to know, although grace and mercy and judgment and justice have all conspired to create a dramatic moment, after the storm comes silence and peace and rebuilding and recommitting and finding Peter <laughs> and praying Peter through and getting buddy, everybody on track and tearing in Jerusalem. Can I have a big amen? And waiting to be endued with power from God. It's not over just because the ground shook. And it's not over just because the sun hit its face. It's not over. The church is marching on. And so my favorite, my favorite uh, storm story in all of the word of the Lord is the storm story uh, from Acts chapter number 27, where it is the storm of Paul on his way to Rome. And it's such a, there's so much uh, uh, layers to this story because there's not just a storm of um, a regional nature, not simply hot air blowing off the Sahara, going over the cool air of the Mediterranean and beginning to swirl. Not simply that. Not simply the sun heating the water and the, and the heat rising and the swirl starting and the counterclockwise uh, hurricane force winds that, 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 that blow all off of that Saharan desert and, and spin out into the Atlantic or spin north into the Mediterranean. Um, it, it, it's, not, it's nothing. It's, it's, it's just this moment that's more than a physical storm. It's a storm in the church. Paul is have, having to go to Rome because in Jerusalem, even the church, is, even the, the converted Pharisees, the, the Pharisees that believe are trying to kill him there. And he doesn't think he can get a fair trial there. So he appeals as a Roman citizen, basically saying in a roundabout way, the only chance I have of a fair trial is if I get out of here because my own brothers and sisters want to kill me. They do not understand. They are not getting this. So I'm going to Rome. He is in a storm of his own life. And he, in this ship, he's on a grain ship. And you can read this story in Acts 27. He's on a grain ship. And he's riding with uh, guard detail on a Roman grain ship that carries grain from the breadbasket of the empire, which is uh, Egypt, down around uh, all of that, that Nile, that fertile Nile delta, where the grain is grown. And the grain is taken to Rome, where it is sold, where the population, large population of Rome is and cannot be supported by the thin soil of the Italian peninsula. And so here you have this natural flow of commerce. They're on a grain ship. They're going to Rome. Paul's going to try to get a fair trial in Rome. He's got to get out of Jerusalem. There's another story here. The other story is this. If the gospel does not get out of this part of the world, uh, it's not, it, 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 uh, revival is capped there. In just a few centuries, it's going to be almost completely stamped out by Islam. If Christianity is going to take over the world, it has to get to Europe. And it's already got there in some ways on the easternmost edges of the empire. But Paul wants to take it into Rome. Paul, he says in one place, he wishes he could take it to Spain. 
The gospel has to get into the empire. It has. It's going to die in 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 um, down down there in the Middle East. It's almost going to be completely stamped out. And so um, he is on this way, his way, and the storm comes. And um, there's this beautiful storm story where they are tossed before the winds, and they they begin to throw overboard everything uh, that they had. But let me first read this scripture because this is how it starts right here. Uh, This is Acts 27 verses 13. Paul talks about a soft wind that blew softly. A south wind that blew softly. Isn't that how life uh, lures us sometimes? It's a south wind blowing softly. We think all is fine. And they supposed they had obtained their purpose. They weighed anchor. They moved out into the sea and not long after they were committed rose a tempestuous storm called a Eurachlodon and the ship was caught and they let her. They could not get back to land. They could not get back to port. They were caught by the wind. They could not get back to port. Now they had to let the wind drive them. And so the wind drives them. And sometimes life is like that. Health is like that. You just have to let it drive you ahead of it and hope it's going to be okay. And so uh, you, you see this this story on the third day in verse number 19, we cast out with all our hands the tackling of the ship. Uh, they had oars and they also had sails. And if they had, they could not tack, that was later selling technology that would come uh, much later, like I think 13th, 14th century. But they had square sails that if the, the wind was kind of blowing their direction, they would rig a square sail and then the, the, the rowers could rest some. Uh, they, they had evidently the, the, the tackling, it was just... It was being catching the wind, even if they took down the sail. They just end up, when it's broken, they just cut it away and throw it overboard. All they're left with is, is oars now. That happened three days into the storm. Um, it, they, they've, they've, they've cut away the, tack, the tackle of the ship, and they throw out all the furniture of the ship, everything that was expendable. Uh, they Finally, in verse 19, uh, the Bible tells us they cast, or verse 38, rather, um, they, they, after 14 days of storm. That's a lot of belling of water. That's a lot of belling of water. After 14 days of storm, uh, the Bible says they threw the wheat overboard. Now, this is, the wheat is why they're going to Rome. Wheat is their purpose. That they, they are giving up on their purpose now. They're just trying to save themselves, you see. And so they throw the wheat overboard 14 days into the storm, and uh, it, it, just gets, it just gets worse. It, get, it gets worse. The, they don't see the sun, the stars for many days. Uh, there's nothing they can derive where their location are. All hope, verse 20, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. And uh, they, this, 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 they, they, they're, they're at the end of they are wits. They're at their wits end, I should say. And Paul has this statement, verse 21 to 25. He says to the, 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 the gentleman who've been in the storm for days, I exhort you to be of good cheer. Now that is leadership right there. <laughs> leadership is the art of moving from crisis to crisis without revealing how terrified you are. <laughs> and so... 
There stood by me this night the angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve, say, saying, Fear not, Paul. God hath given thee not only your life, but all them that sail with you. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. Somebody says, I believe God. Say it better than that. I believe God. The storm is coming. You know what I want to say? I believe God. We li are living through a storm. What are we saying? I believe God. We're living with health challenges. We're saying, I believe God. We are in the storm, but we're saying loudly, I believe God that it shall be even as he has told it unto me. And though it seems like they lose everything, there is no loss, no loss of life. And they eventually throw themselves into the sea and they wash up safe as the prophecy was given. So I'm almost done, uh, Preston. You can come back. Uh, this is what I want you to see. There is really no life it's not like you can get the right life coach and not go through storms. Do you know of anyone who has been a mentor to you who has lived a life without storms? Think of the most powerful people you know. Think of people who are so holy, they don't even touch the ground when they walk. They just walk about three feet. Think of the best prayer warrior you know. Our church is blessed to have some powerful prayer warriors. And I love some of you. I love to hear you pray because you're prayer warriors. And I, we've been blessed in that. And I thank God for that. Do you know any prayer warrior who's lived a life without storms? Do you know of a prophet who's lived without storms? It seems to me like if you're a prophet, you go through more than the average number of storms. Have you ever known a church to live without storms? Have you ever have heard of anything, anybody, any person, any teacher, any pastor, any city living without storms? No. But be of good cheer. I believe God. And it shall be just as he said. Friday, the wind's going to hit us. And if you have deck chairs in your backyard, they are going to fly to the neighbor's yard. And if you have weak trees in your yard, they're going to fall down. I don't need any profound insight to see that, right? If you have things that will be caught by the wind. If you live by a creek, the creek is going to flood. It does not mean God doesn't love you. The storm is going to come. The wind is going to blow. The rain is going to fall. If you live long enough, you'll have challenges in your health. If you stay married long enough, your wife will throw a boot at you. Can I get a witness? Is there any men here that know exactly what I'm trying to say? You live long enough, your wife will throw a boot at you. It rains on the just, and it rains on the unjust. You are not forsaken. You're going to have friendships that come to end. You're going to have people that once you were close, and now you're not close. Storms happen. It's part of the journey. But the good news is this. I believe God. Amen. And in the silence after the storm, we just do the stuff that has to be done. And we wait for the great point, the great purpose, the great revelation. We'll understand it better by and by. In the meantime... 
there's a storm on the horizon. Like the writer said, whoa, let the wind blow. <laughs> let it blow south and not toward us. That's all I have to say about that. Let's all stand. I want us to pray first of all for the churches that are Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us. 